two is where we're going to be. And uh, thank you, Brian. And uh, we're going to jump right in and get moving because we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So we're eastbounded down and off and running. All right. So Colossians chapter two, if you will. And uh, we've been discussing the issues of the satanic strategies. Uh, this is actually lesson number eight in all of this. And uh, we've got at least one more to go and probably two more, but we'll see how they kind of go here. And uh, I'm trying to get us to Thanksgiving weekend. How's that sound? All right. But the issue here is that we last time we saw the attack in verse 8. So let's read verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And that attack by the adversary is designed to cause you to not be, not live, not function after Christ. Now, what Paul's going to do in verse 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13 is answer the attack of verse 8, okay? So here's the attack, cause you not to be who you are in Christ. By the way, philosophy, vain deceit, rudiments of the world, tradition, it's a thinking pattern. That's all that philosophy is, is how you think about things. And I'll be honest with you, how should you think about things? Come over to 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, we had this conversation this week, and it makes me think about this often. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just And then quickly here, 2 Corinthians 5. If you look at verse 19, it's, it's an interesting thing when you think about how you ought to be thinking and how, what you ought to be considering. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of different ideas, a lot of things. Uh, we, I was talking with uh, a gentleman this week, and I knew a guy years ago. You remember the movie Matrix? He believed we lived in the Matrix. And he used some verses out of Ezekiel to do it. Now, when he showed me those verses, I'm like, say what? You know, but he did. And he was boom, boom. And I looked at him and I said, wait a minute, who are you? He goes, well, I'm a believer. And I said, well, then what about 519? Because this is who you are. You're not the matrix. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of the matrix. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say the word of, and you put in your philosophy. It says the word of what? Reconciliation. See, that's our word. Why is that important? Verse 20. Now then we are, what? Ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors speaks for who? The king. What is, what is the king of kings, Lord of lords, the only potentate saying today? Grace and peace, I would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Not whether this is that or this or that. That stuff is what's bogging your thinking down. That's what the adversaries lose. Yeah, but Rick, the verses... Yeah, but we're going to see in a minute you can be scriptural but not dispensational and be a part of the adversarial attack. I know what the verses say. I understand that. He used the wheel in the sky and all this stuff. And I'm like, I get it. I understand what's happening. I get the verses. They're right, but they're just not to you and I today in the age of grace. God's not in real estate business today. He's in heavenly places business today. See? So then when you get into, so when you come into that, come back to Colossians 2, what is verse 8 all about? I got to get you to not think after who you are in Christ. 
So he goes in verse 9, 10, and we're going to look at these in just a minute. And then in verse 9 to 13, he answers that attack. Okay? And then in verse 14, 15, he sets up the next attack, which is verse 16, which is where I want to start. And then we're going to go back and look at the answers, okay? Kind of do this out of order. Verse 16, let no man therefore, therefore what? Because of verse 11 to 15, who you are in Christ, what he accomplished at Calvary, verse 14, what did he blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us? Don't you let anybody come in here and judge you in meat or in drink or in a respect of a holy day or of the new moons or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. Don't let someone come along now and put you under religion. And not just any religion. Not just any religious idea, but a religion that is scriptural. Because you know what we can do? Go back to Numbers. Go back to Numbers chapter 6. Think about this. What, what does he say there? Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. Think about the meat. Were, was Israel allowed to eat, off, eat, eat uh, meats offered idols? No. Big, big. But if I tell you, you can't have, you only can eat fish on Fridays, now what did we just do? Well, now I got you back under a system, don't I? Look at Numbers chapter 6. Numbers 6, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. Again, who are we talk, who's talking? Moses. To who? Israel. And say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to a vow, a vow of the Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall uh, he drink any liquor of the grapes, or, nor eat moist grapes or dried. By the way, that's how you know it's not an apple in the Garden of Eden. It's a grape. The grape, the vine, the fruit of the vine was forbidden. It's right here. But the point is, is who can't drink, drink? You take that Nazarite vow, separating under the Lord, you're in the religious program, you're under Israel's program, you can't do that. So come back to Colossians 2.16, what do they got going on here? Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy, a holy day or of new moons or of the Sabbath days. You, you got all of this stuff going on. Come over to Ezekiel 45. Again, is it scriptural? Is it scriptural to say, hey, don't take a drink? Yeah, I just read it to you. Look at Ezekiel 45. Problem is, is it's what? Not dispensational. The Lord spoke to who? Moses. Moses spoke to the children of Israel. He didn't speak to you. Okay? By the way, the Nazarite vow, that's what Samson had. Samson and Delilah, the nice long flowing hair. Okay? And all that good stuff. He was going right in it, right. He was a good Jew doing Ezekiel 45. Ezekiel 45, notice verse 17. And it shall be the prince's part. I'll come out of verse 16. All the people of the land shall give this oblation for the prince in Israel. And it shall be the prince's part to give burnt offerings and meat offerings and drink offerings in the feast and in the new moons and in the Sabbaths. In all solemnities of the house of Israel, he shall prepare the sin offering and the meat offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering to make recompense for the church, the body of Christ. 
No, for who? The house of Israel. But you know what happens? Oh, wait a minute, Rick. You know that the body replaces Israel and your spiritual Israel, and God is really ruling in the hearts and the minds of men today. Really? Show me that verse. And they say, well, see, look, Israel is just a trigger word for body. So every time you read Israel, read body. So ready? Israel. Body. Israel. Body. You know, no. Israel means Israel. What do we have here? We have scripture, just not dispensation. Okay? Come back, if you will, over to Galatians 3. Well, just go back to Colossians 2. So in Colossians 2, when he says here, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moons or of the Sabbath day. By the way, the Sabbath day, who did that belong to? The nation of Israel. It's called the Lord's Sabbath. The Sabbath day wasn't so they would have a day off. The Sabbath day, that seventh, that sixth, that last day of the week, the seventh day was, was set apart, sanctified as a day of rest at the end of creation by God. You know, God wasn't tired when he took a day. He's like, I'm, he wasn't weary from creating. He says, I want, my, the work is done and you're going to work six days and on that seventh day, you're going to stop and you're going to pay attention to the work that I've done, to why creation was even created. Why did I create man? Why did I make this place? What was the purpose? By the way, the purpose was, Psalm says, for him to come and dwell with his creation. And Israel, what you're to do is you're to work, and you're to do, and you are to take that seventh day off, not because you're tired, poor little baby, but because I need you to remember why and who you are and what I've set you apart to accomplish. That's why when Daniel is in the Babylonian captivity and the fifth course of judgment all come in, and it says the lands have not enjoyed their Sabbaths. You know what Israel did? We ain't doing that. And off they go. Okay? That's Israel. It's not you and I. It's scriptural. It's all through the scripture. It's just not dispensational. Don't let anyone try and intimidate you with Israel's information in order to draw you away from Christ. That's the attack. Now watch verse 17, 217. For which are a what? Shadow of things to come. Shadow. Is the shadow the real deal? No, it's not. It's the fa- it's 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 not real. Okay? You see, all of that stuff listed in verse 16 isn't the real deal. The Lord looks at Israel and says, I don't want your stinking sacrifices. They stink. I want your heart is what I want. Come over to Isaiah. Well, let's look at it. Look at Isaiah 58. You see, folks... All of that stuff is a shadow of the real deal to come. Again, how do you know it? The Word of God just said it to you. Isaiah 58. Watch here. Isaiah 58. All the things 
of 2.16 eventually will be fulfilled. By the way, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost has been fulfilled. It'll never be needed to be repeated to be fulfilled. It'll be repeated in ceremonial, but not in, in fulfillment. Passover has been fulfilled. Calvary took care of that. Pentecost has been fulfilled, took care of that. First fruits has been fulfilled. The resurrection took care of that. What are we waiting for? Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. That hasn't happened yet for Israel and her calendar of redemption. It's coming, but it isn't there yet. Look at Isaiah 58. Look at verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people. Again, who's my people? Israel. Their transgressions and the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet they seek me daily. Now watch. And delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in what? Approaching to God. They enjoy the ceremonies. They enjoy the rites and the rituals Wherefore we have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all of your labors. Look at what they're doing. They're doing the, they're doing the program. But God says, that's not the point. You, in, you delight in the approaching. You would delight in the ceremonies. Verse 4, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth as ashes unto him? Wilt thou, wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Wow. Now run your eye down to verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on what? My holy day. You see, they're not doing what the Lord wants them to do. He says, I don't want your stinking sacrifices. I don't want, I want your heart. That's what I want. I want you. I don't need all of that other. Now, all that other is part of the law. All that other is scriptural. Don't you let anyone come in and say, that's you, and you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing that. Come over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Don't you do that. Because the moment you do that, you've left the grace life. You've left who you are in Christ. And now you're over here into something that you should never have been in to begin with. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4 verse number 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no God. You see that service? He's talking about religion. You went down to the church building down there and you did everything that the preacher told you to do. But now, 
after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. And I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. What did they turn back to? They turned back to weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. Come back to chapter 3 and verse 1. Chapter 3 and verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Foolish there is slow-minded, slow thinking. Who hath bewitched you? You, you take that and you run back there to 1 Samuel 28 and you see the winch of Endor where they're raising the dead. You know what God has pronounced? Come back over here to Colossians 2. Put these together. Colossians 2.14. What did God pronounce? What did God do at, on the cross? What did the Son do on the cross? What did Christ do on the cross? He blotted out the handwriting of an ordinances that were against us. You know what he did? He took that law and he nailed it to the cross and he killed it. To, he said, it's dead, it's over, and how dare you be, be bewitched? Raise up something I called to be dead. He looked at the law of Moses and said, it is dead. In Mark 11, we've been studying on Wednesday nights, he goes out there and he curses the fig tree, the tree that's a picture of the religious life of Israel, and there's no more fruit on that bad boy, never to happen again. And you know where he's going? He's on his way to Calvary to shed the blood of the New Testament, the New Covenant, and then in Mark 13, there's a, new, a fig tree that is budding, and that's the religion, the Messianic law. That's the New Covenant law. And he says, that old, that stuff is dead. And you guys there, Galatia, you've raised the dead man and you should have never done it. It's never been to your benefit. It's never. But why did they do it? Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? They've allowed someone to come in and take them out from underneath who they are in Christ. They've allowed them to be scriptural, just not dispensational. They've been intimidated to say, well, you know what? He's got a point, man. Look at that. Paul wrote how many books? 13. There's 66. Look at all that other stuff that's for Israel. It's got to be true. Nobody said it wasn't true. <laughs> it's just not what? For today. You follow what's going on? That's the attack. The third attack by the adversary is to pull you away from who you are in Christ. And the method isn't philosophy, and the method isn't to traditions of men and the rudiments of the world and all that. The method now is, is using the book, using the Word of God, just what? Not rightly divided. And you guys understand that. You've seen that. Now, come back to Colossians 2. You see, folks, that's what's going on here. He comes out of 2.8, and he says, not after Christ. And then he's going to give the answer. And we're going to look at the answer here now the rest of the morning because the answer is wonderful. The answer is tremendous because who are we? We are ambassadors for Christ. We've been given a word of reconciliation. Look over at 1 Timothy 2 quickly. Come on, we're preaching now. 1 Timothy 2. I get chuckled. I didn't get an amen on it. And I got chuckles. What's going on here? We're going to have to figure this out, huh? Look at 1 Timothy 2. Look at verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will. Here's the will of God our Savior. Here's the will of the Godhead, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Now watch Paul. Watch what he does now. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Watch Paul identify specifically how men are going to be saved today in the age of grace. In Israel's program, who was the mediator? Israel was. Who's the mediator today? Jesus Christ. Keep reading. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now watch. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Wait a second. Where do we go get the information for today? you got to go to Paul. You can't go to Israel. Israel belongs to somebody else. You have to go to Paul. So when you hear them preach that Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again the third day, and that's by faith and faith alone, they got that from Paul. But then what does religion do? And you got to go do this. See? Paul says, don't get drug into that. You know why? Colossians 2, verse 9. Because look at who you are in Christ. Look at what's going on here. He's our everything. He's our all. 2 verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Who's the mediator? The man Christ Jesus. That, the, 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 the guy who, in the, his, he's the Godhead bodily. In his flesh, in the incarnation, he stepped out of heaven's glory. He enters into humanity. Folks, we're in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. What did he do? He thought it not robbery. Oh, look over there. Come on. Philippians 2. I went the wrong way. Philippians 2. Oh, I guess it's on the sheet, isn't it? Okay, there you go. Philippians 2. That's how much I read the sheet. Philippians 2. Look, think about this. Paul says, in him is the fullness of the Godhead. Fullness, all of it. There's not a piece of the Godhead missing from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Who is he? He's God. But made himself. He chose. He, the father says, here's the plan. The son says, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Let's get on with this bad boy. The father says, oh, calm down. We haven't even created anything yet. You know, before the foundation of the world, laid it all out. The son's itching. Let's go, man. This is a glory plan. Woo. Glory's it's called. Father of glory. Glory's it's title. Let's go. Let's get on with this. Why do we got to do all this? And just calm down. <laughs> you know, I mean, you guys okay? That's pretty good. Sorry. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He went and did what the God the Father and God the Holy Spirit never experienced. Your humanity. Your second death. Back to Colossians 2. So just, I mean, think about this. Just as philosophy and vain deceit and traditions say you can't know God and how you're going to know God is you're going to have to have this experience or that experience. In other words, you're going to end up being your own God, Romans 1. What did he do? He came, 2.9, and in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead He chose to leave heaven 
and become man. And he did it for you. If you want to see what's real, lasting life, if you want to see what it it looks like in human flesh, then you're going to go look at the Lord Jesus Christ. There's where real, real, real life is on display. And that's where Galatians 2.20 comes in, where he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet what? Not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, what is the faith of the Son of God? What did he do? He has the will and the word of the Father, and he goes and does it. He's hanging on Calvary, and what's going through his mind? The will and the word of the Father. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, not my will, but thy will be done. If this cup can pass, let it go. I know it can. I've looked it up. Don't you know I could call the angel, angelic realm here and rescue me? But if I do, then who's going to? Nobody can. He's clicking right down through the scriptures. He gets down to the end. It's time to say it's finished. But yet he finds the Psalms that hasn't been done. And he says, I thirst to cause them to fulfill the verse in Psalms. His head's erect the whole time. Why? He's God. What's he doing? He's living by the faith of the Son of Man who loved me, loved me and gave himself for me. What? So if I want to see what man should really be like, that's where I'm going to go see it. Why? Because he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If I want to see what the real Adam was supposed to look like, it's right there in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I can go over and I can be, he was in total obedience to the will and the word of the Father. So then come in, are you back in Colossians 2? I hope so. Colossians 2. I need to be, I need to live life in complete and total obedience to the will and the word of the Father. I need to be living life like Jesus lived. Not WWJD, what would Jesus do? No. How did he live? When he came up, what did he do? He says, the word says this, and I'm going to do this. I can, he says, the the father gave me the authority to raise myself up and to give up my life. How did he know that? Because the father told him, right? And then what did he do? He believed him. And then he went and did it. So you and I. So we get to verse 10. And ye, now watch, now notice the and. Continual thought here, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We're complete where? Where are we complete? In Christ, in the head guy, the big man. As the pigeon Bible said, the big guy in the sky. That's who we are. That's who We're not down here in the lowly little, you know, lowest angel. We're in the big guy. We're in the CEO. We're in the guy who's he's, he's the head of all principality and power. Think about that. We're complete. Man, come over to 2 Corinthians 8. I I think about that complete thing. 2 Corinthians uh, 9, I'm sorry. Think about being complete 
You lack nothing. Now, I know some days we don't feel that way. But this isn't about your feelings. This is about reality. This is a reality check here. This is who you really are. The reality is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Now, I know the context is giving, so you better be given. Okay, I got that. But what I want you to catch is I want you to catch the language in the verse. And God is able to make how much grace? All grace. Is all all? Usually it is. You know, A-L-L gets the stains out. But not always, though. Okay? But all, all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, the good work is giving, the sufficient, but all grace, all sufficiency. That word sufficiency is defined as able to stand alone, lacking nothing. God is able to make all grace. There's that word make, that word made. Take something that Take, take something here and make it uh, what it, he made it this way and now it's this way. He's made it into something that originally it wasn't. He's made what? All grace abound toward who? You. You weren't always the object of his grace. Sorry, Charlie. Israel was. But then what did he do? Change the program? Now you are. Follow, see? All sufficient, complete. You're able to stand lacking nothing. Go back to Ephesians 1 on your way back. Ephesians 1. You know the verse we're headed to, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings, all of them. You're not lacking anything. You lack nothing. There is nothing you can do to gain the more. You have it all. That's liberating. That's reality. Because what does religion say? What does the course of this world say? What does the world say? If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Driving the school bus when we learned, you've got to learn to keep the distance between because that big 40-footer can't stop on a dime. It, it really can. I've tried it. But it's not supposed to, okay? And, uh, and, and then you sort of do this, and you know what happens? Literally, some yo-yo will pull in the gap that you created, and you got to back up. So you're, so you're constantly backing up, going forward. That doesn't make sense. But that's the world, isn't it? You know what reality is? Who you are in Christ, your ambassadorship, you're moving forward all the time. You're never trying to back up. We, have a, we are all spiritual blessings in Heavenly places, our future home in Christ. And you let your eye begin to run down through there, and you find out that you're holy. You've been set apart for the purpose that God created the body for. You're without blame. You're blameless. You've, you're adopted. You've got a sonship status in the family. Uh, his will's been made known. You're accepted. It's all according to his, the riches of his grace. You're beloved, so you're total and complete in him. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. All the wisdom, all the prudence, all the information has been given to you in him. You've got it all. You don't lack anything. The moment you think you're lacking, come let's just read Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. By the way, you're sealed. You ain't getting out of it. Well, I just don't feel like much of a believer today. Good. Join the club. Colossians 2. 
Because a lot of us do that. But it doesn't mean we lost anything. Now i got to come over here and, and jump in the prayer closet and do abba-dabba-doo, yay, 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 rah, rah, rah. No, get up, get, put your big boy pants on, get in the Word, figure it out, and get moving. It's that simple. It's not hard, but what does the world do? Philosophy, traditions, vain deceits, rudiments of the world. Religion comes in, and what are they? they're going to move you away because you know what they do? They get to messing with your thought process. Colossians 2, verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom? Look at that. In whom? In who? In Christ. Not me. You don't get your acceptance from me. You don't get your acceptance from your spouse, by the way. The reality is, is you, you're only accepted in the one who will never let you down and who will never fail you, who will never disappoint you, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That's where you get your acceptance from. Now, I understand it's nice to have your spouse on your side, and it's a little hard when they're not. I get that. But that's not where your reality is. Your reality is in who? In him. In whom? In him. In whom ye are also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made, now critical, without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How many trespasses are you forgiven? All. Why? He went to, he did operation time on you. He comes in. I, 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 I struggled in how to do this quick. Again, there's so much detail here. It would take it takes literally months to go down through it, and and I don't want to do that because we're talking about Satan's strategies. But you think about this. Here you are. We're going to give you a big head, okay? Here you are. All right. There's you, your body. You have a spirit and a soul, right? And a body. The moment you trust Christ, the moment you say I do to Calvary. The operation of God, you remember that game operation, don't touch the sides, you're right, well, it's not like that, but it's okay, you got the idea, right? He goes, in, by the way, have you ever been in an operation situation and they say, which leg are we taking, or which organ are we here for, and they write on you, left, not right, okay, yeah, someone, what? that's a good thing, because they're a little weird about that, all right? I was sitting there having, going to have eye surgery, and they're like, which eye are we working on? I'm like, dude, I only got two, and both are bad, pick one, I don't care. You know, just fix them. All right. What does he do? He comes in and he, verse 11, what does he do? Watch what he does here. He says he comes circumcision. The word circumcision means the death to the flesh, the cutting away with it. Israel, Ephesians 2, verse 11, their circumcision made with hands. This is without. He comes in and he takes your inner man and he cuts you away. He takes that soul and he cuts you away, Romans 6 says, from the from the bondage and the hold of sin, of the flesh. He says, you're done. You've been crucified, the old man. You've been set free from sin. How did he do that? He comes in here and he does a little spiritual circumcision on you and he cuts, he releases you. By the way, this is spiritual. You didn't feel it. 
no anesthesia, no out for a week. No, he, he comes in, it's the operation of God. Verse 11, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Here's Romans 6. That's where we're at. What does he do? Man, he just comes in there. You don't, you're not identified with this old body of flesh. Now, you still got him because you got to have him to operate in the function. Okay? And he's still a tool to be used by the inner man. This is you. This is your heart. This is your will. This is your emotions. This is your conscience. You're still there. You didn't cease to exist. He just spiritually did some work on you. We call this uh, cribs. He circumcises you, sets you free. He regenerates that old dead setup. He then indwells you. He then baptizes you by the Spirit. By the way, this is all the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? Going fast. And then he seals you. He does some work on you, man. He's setting you free. Why? Because you're his. You're his ambassador. You're putting on his uniform. You're passing from death into life. Think about the military. Veterans Day, we just had it. They go into boot camp, shaggy, raggy, you know, all shagged up, and they come out with the new clothes, new identity, new look. Whether they like it or not, that's the condition. Buried with him in baptism. There's Romans 6, 6, wherein you also are risen with him. What are we buried? And then we got that newness of life, that resurrection life. Think about that. Romans 6 right here. Come into reality. Coming into your thinking. Here's who I am. I'm dead to sin, man. I'm alive to God. Why? Because look at what he just did for me. It actually did to me. The operation of God. I, that thing, verse 12, with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. The mechanics, think about the mechanics of getting into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Baptism in the Bible is identification. It's all, it's all that it ever is. It doesn't matter whether it's by fire or olive oil or water or what. It's identification at every turn. Five minutes to do the rest. Verse 3, 13. And you being dead in your sins... And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you, how? All trespasses. You and you. I love that. And you. That, this includes you in all of this. He's doing the work, but who's he working on? You. And you know what he does? He comes in and he says, you being dead in two things, in your sins, and then what? In the flesh. Those two, uncircumcision of your flesh. So you got sins, that's the actions. There's the fruit of it. Your flesh, there's the root. There's the, the, your nature. There's all the way back to Adam, for by one man's sin into the world. You're all the way back, Romans 5.12. But what did he do? He changes your history at Calvary. 
He set us free from that flesh life. He set us free from sins. How? By what? Forgive and have, and with him having forgiven you, how many trespasses? All of them. So you know what that means? That means all. Who am I? I've been set free. I'm free. I'm free to come over here and to be who I am in Christ. And you know what? The devil don't like it. So here you are. You're pumping in the word of God, rightly divided, into your spirit, into, into that mind up here. You're talking to the word of God. God talks to you through his spirit. Your soul, the real you, your will, your heart reaches up, says, that's what I want. We come down here, and you, your will, set with the heart man believes unto righteousness, your heart says, that's what we're going to do right there. We're going to go to church. We're going to study. We're going to learn. We're going to grow, and we're going to get going. And your will says, that's what we're going to do. So emotions, tell your body, E, motions, motions, let's get going. What are we going to do? We're going to have study time. We're going to learn the word. We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. We're going to do. We're going to get involved. We're going to become a, And then your conscience says, yep, that's what we're doing. We're doing right. And you know what the world says? Stop. Human viewpoint comes in. And you know what human viewpoint says? You are wasting your time because that ain't real. You need to let these guys run the show. How do, remember how the adversary, how Satan works? God works spirit, soul, and body. You know how Satan works? Body, soul, and spirit. He gets this thing involved. And the next thing you know, you know what you're doing? You're not studying. You're not reading. You're pitching the victim card. You're not a victim, folks. Get over yourself. You're not a victim. Romans 8 is clear of that. So get over it. Hang it on Calvary. That's where it needs to be hung. Get over yourself. You're, you're not the issue. The issue is him in you, see. That's the issue here. We're dead. We're, we, you know, a dead man is set free. Friday night we came home, little Sadie, we had to put her down about 10, 9, 30, 10 o'clock Friday night. She, she broke her back. Little dachshund just went nuts, and, which is her usual thing. And anyway, it just happened. And you know what? She was hurting. I mean, it's just you could you could see it in her eyes, and you go in, and what do you 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 set her free? That's what death does; it sets you free to be who you really are. To be absent from the body is to be what present. That's who you really are. Oh, you're not down here trying to hold on to the dead man. Well, I had a guy one time. He went by the funeral and went by the casket. He looked down and said, "You lucky stiff." Why? Because he's not here. He's free. What are you? You're, you guys caught that, didn't you? Okay, all right. You're dead to sense. You're free from that. Then why do you let it run your life? Why do you play? Why do you let these emotions grip you and go? I, and I get them. They're there. And I, listen, talking about Sadie, I'm crying inside. You know, and, but okay, put it in check. 
but grow, get, move forward. Man, I'm off the bus. Verse 14, get back in here. Blotting out of handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Look at what Calvary did. It set you free from the control of sin. It set you free to be the ambassador for Christ. And then he reaches over and he sets you free from legalism and from the law of Moses. And he says, don't you let anyone come back over here to what I call dead and get you to live underneath it ever again. Don't do that. Yeah, but Rick, it makes me feel good. Folks, you know how you can feel good? Live who you are in Christ. And you know what you'll feel? You'll feel outstandingly wonderful. You know why? Because God has richly given us all things to enjoy. He's never saying don't do and don't enjoy. He says when you go do and you do enjoy, do it as who you are in Christ. Why? Because what did he do there? Verse 14, he took Calvary and he, uh, he took the law and he took the satanic policy of evil. That's that issue there in verse 15, triumphing over them in it. That's Satan. That's the adversary. That's the satanic strategies. The whole ball of wax, he took it, and he set you free from it. The law is the great accuser. That performance-based acceptance. Wait a minute, where am I accepted? In the beloved I'm not accepted in this, but what does the law say? If you want my acceptance, you better do this, this, and this. So if you want my acceptance, you better be putting it in the money in the bank. That's what religion says, isn't it? What's your 1044 look like or 1099 or whatever? Like, I don't even know anymore. Stuff changes all the time. Where's your income statement from last year? We need to make sure you're on 10%. Do you know it's not 10% in Israel's program? It's like 25%. How you doing with that? Little, you know, choke on that for a minute. It ain't there. By the way, grace today isn't that. Praise the Lord. It's what? As you purpose in your heart. But what does religion do? You're not free. I still got you. If you want my acceptance, you better perform. The great accuser. He blotted out the enemy. He took the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, the moral law there against us, and he did what with it? He removed, he paid it. He nailed it to his cross. What does the law require for the payment of a trespass? It's the shedding of blood. You know what he did? He shed his blood for you. And then he comes in and he spoiled principalities and power, verse 15. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And that goes back there to 1 Corinthians 2, where he says, If the princes of this world knew, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Had known what? The hidden wisdom given to Paul. Made known, revealed, that here's what I'm going to do with the Gentiles. I'm going to take them, and I'm going to give them my salvation. I'm going to give them my grace and peace. I'm going to give them my mercy and my long-suffering, my forbearance. And when they trust me, I'm going to use them over here 
in the heavenly places. You see, Satan thought he had won at Calvary. But he didn't realize he really lost until the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. When the Lord in Acts 26 says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to take you from the people, and I'm going to send you back to the people and to the Gentiles, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to give them the salvation that forgives their sins. And Satan went, whoops, what did I do? And the most shocked creature in all of creation was the adversary in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus. Paul too, but the adversary. Why? Because he just realized he did the very thing that doomed him for eternity. And you know what Paul says? He spoiled them. And he's triumphing over them. He, he made a show of them openly. He didn't, no more hidden. <laughs> no, nothing done behind the curtains anymore. It's what? It's all in the open. And he triumphs over them in it. And he's doing it every day. Every day of grace is another day of his triumph. What, again, what is the, the adversary going to do now, verse 16 and 17? He's going to bring in the scriptures. Because where are you? You're, you're not going for the philosophies of men. You're not doing verse 8. You're not doing verse, seven, verse 4. You've defeated that. You're ignoring the enticing words and the fancy speeches, especially if you're listening to me. Oh, my goodness. Okay? You're, you're not doing that. You're not listening to Socrates or Aristotle or philosophy 101. You're not over here in the conspiracy theories. You're not over here doing this. You're right here where you're supposed to be in the Word of God. So you know what he says? That's fine. Let's break out Numbers and Ezekiel and Leviticus, and let's see how you're doing with the Scriptures. But just not what? Dispensation. Again, his ultimate goal is to cause you to not live life as who you are in Christ. Complete and set free from sin and from the law. And you've been given a life to go live. And the adversary says, let's see if I can't tinker with that a little bit. Now verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and, and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head. Isn't that interesting? You know what he's going to do now? Not only is he using scripture, just not dispensational, he's now going to use extra biblical stuff to get you. Because what are you doing? Nope, it's the word rightly divided. I'm sitting right here where I'm supposed to be. And he says, oh, yeah, really? What about that 10-foot Jesus you saw at the edge of your bed the other night? I wouldn't suggest it was the tacos you had the night before from the taco truck. <laughs> All right? Why? Because I got the word here, see? And what's Satan doing? Oh, well, what, what, about, what about this? What about that? And off he goes. We're going to get 18 and 19 next time, okay? Just see what he's doing. He's got his strategies, but what is the answer? Who I am in Christ. That's the answer. Well, Rick, I don't know everything. That's okay. I don't know everything either. But what do I have? I have his word. I'm learning to study it. God's way. How does God want me to study this? Rightly dividing the word of truth. And then I can begin to build it into my thinking. And when I mess up, that's okay. I just go fix it. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for your word that we have it, and that we can study it, and that we can rejoice in it. 
and that we can just give you the honor and the glory for all things in the end of the day. In your name we pray.